What are the five most burning questions the New York Giants will have to answer in the coming weeks? I'm going to run down the questions and I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen with each one that's coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On podcast family, your team every day. I'm your host, Patricia Trena. Happy Friday to everybody. We made it to the end of the week, and uh, I'm throwing in a little extra show for you here because I talked about it. I said I was going to do it, and, you know, might as well finish out the week on a strong note, right? So here I am. Uh, We're going to talk about the top five most pressing questions that the New York Giants have to answer over the next few weeks. And I'm sure a lot of these questions are going to come as no surprise to you, but we're going to discuss them anyway, and I'm going to tell you how I see it playing out. So thank you for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day, or if watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And today's episode of the Lock on Giants podcast is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NFL to get a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with your order. All right, folks, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into the questions. This first one, I think y'all know where I'm going with this one. I know you're probably tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of talking about it, but I have to throw it in here because to ignore it would just not be doing it any justice. And that is what's going to happen in the Saquon Barkley saga. Now, folks, here's the thing. If you've been watching me, if you've been reading me over on Giants Country, you know that I, for the longest time, I've had doubts about Barkley coming to an agreement on a multi-year deal. Having been in the building this past week for the mandatory minicamp and having had some conversations on and off the record with certain people, I am convinced that a deal is going to happen. The de- they have until July 17th. Now, let me just talk about the delay because a lot of people are like, well, why isn't this happening now? Why didn't it happen, you know, in time, in in time for the uh, mandatory mini camp or the OTAs and whatnot. Folks, here's the thing. Let's look at it from Saquon's side of of the coin. As with anything in negotiations, they always go down to the 11th hour. That's just how it goes. The reason for that is, You don't want to leave anything on the table. So, for example, if Saquon were to sign today, the first offer that the Giants put on the table, and he said, okay, you know what, let's take it, let's run with it, then there's going to be question, and maybe, you know, he'll wonder, maybe, um, you know, other people will wonder, did he leave anything on the table? So that's why, you know, they talk about July 17th, which is the deadline to get a long-term contract done. That's why on or about July 17th, that contract, a new contract should be done. You just keep going back and forth. You know, now the NFL Network the other day reported initially that the Giants put an offer back on the table. Then they clarified and said that that hasn't happened yet, but the two sides are talking. 
And it's good. The fact that the two sides are talking, that is important because if they weren't, then I'd be a little bit more nervous about it. Now, some people will say, well, if Saquon doesn't get what he you know, wants, would he consider holding out? I don't think he would. Certainly not for the regular season. You know, might he hold out for training camp? Yeah, that I could see, but not for the regular season. I don't buy that, you know, possibility for a second. Saquon has worked too hard in the offseason. You know, he's spoken about being out there with his brothers, with his teammates, being there for his team, being a part of what the Giants are building. Saquon's not sitting out the season. I just don't see it happening. You know, um, if he does end up playing on the franchise tag, and right now, you know, if you were to ask me to put a percentage on it, I would say I've gone from 99% yes on the franchise tag down to about maybe 20% yes on the franchise tag. And I hate putting percentages on a yes, no question, by the way, but I know some of you are probably thinking that. Um, if Saquon does have to play on it, that he's taking a gamble that, you know, he better hope pays off for him. And that gamble is that he stays healthy, that he is productive as he was, you know, last year. You know, here's the thing with the whole Saquon negotiation. The argument it has been, or one of the arguments has been that he has been the Giants offense for the last, you know, when he's been on the field. Okay, yeah, I get that. But, you know, you look at the entire body of work and then you look at, you know, what's going forward. And I believe that the Giants' intention is to maybe reduce some of Saquon's workload a little bit, maybe go to a, a committee approach. Certainly, you know, you don't have to keep pounding him up the middle. Now you've got Darren Waller. Now you've got Paris Campbell. You've got um, receivers that can hopefully, you know, stretch the field a little bit. You don't have to lean solely on Saquon moving forward. So if you're the Giants, you're probably saying, okay, look, we're going to adjust going forward. And, you know, yeah, you, you, you were our offense and you, you know, you were, you've been a great representative of the franchise in the past, but that's the past. Now we're looking to go forward. So I think that could be at play for the Giants, you know, in their consideration, you know, at the end of the day, though, as long as Saquon gets guaranteed money, which, by the way, I think is the sticking point in this in this whole contract uh, impasse. If he gets guaranteed money, that's the equivalent of the two franchise tags for running backs in 2023 and 2024. And a little bit extra on top of that, I think they'll have a deal. I could see them reaching a three-year deal with an out after two years. Now, folks, this is the exact same approach that the Giants took with Daniel Jones and with Dexter Lawrence, if you go back and you look at the guaranteed money and then go to over the cap and see what the franchise tag was for the two positions for this year and next year, that's exactly the formula the Giants use. So hopefully that is what they use in getting this deal done, you know, because it's not the APY. Everybody gets hung up on the APY. Oh, my God, don't pay Saquon, you know, 15 million a year. He's not worth it. The APY doesn't mean anything, folks. It's just a number. You know, it's it's inflated. You look at Daniel Jones's number, 40 million. That's inflated with all the potential incentives he can earn. 
All right. If he doesn't earn those incentives, guess what? That APY drops. So don't get hung up on the APY. Don't get, you know, Saquon at the end of the day, I think will be paid amongst the top five running backs in the NFL. I don't think he's going to get a long contract. You know, like if, I'd be surprised if he has a four-year deal. I could see again, three years, maybe, you know, if he does get a four-year deal, maybe the last two years are voidable to help with the signing bonus. But at the end of the day, you know, when you adjust numbers, it should be a fair deal for both sides. All right. I've got four more questions I want to talk about, um, two of which kind of run together. So I'm going to get to those in just a moment for you. But first, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you about Bird Dogs. If you are looking for some pants and shorts that offer a good fit, are made of high quality material, and just make you look good, then you've got to check out the Bird Dog product line. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. And Bird Dogs uses a special fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Now, Bird Dogs is primarily a man's product, so I got a pair for my husband. He's got a pair of pants. He's got a pair of shorts. Loves them. They fit him perfectly. You know, they are not restrictive when he wants to move around. Um, They do keep him cool and dry when he's outside in the heat, working in the yard or whatever, and he just loves them. So uh, if he loves them, and he's very fussy, by the way, about what kind of clothes he wears, you're going to love them too. I can guarantee you that. So right now, when you go to birddogs.com and you place your order, they will send you a free Yeti style tumbler, right? With every order. This is your free gift from Bird Dogs. So all you have to do is go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL, place your order, and this tumbler gets thrown in absolutely free. And this is a really awesome tumbler, by the way. I've been using it. I mean, I can't benefit from the Bird Dogs, but this sucker's mine. So check them out, folks. Birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. You will not want to take your bird dogs off. We guarantee that. All right, Giant fans, you got Patricia Trainer here on this Friday edition of the Locked on Giants podcast, running down the top five burning questions remaining for the New York Giants, questions that they're going to need to answer by the end of the summer. So we talked about Saquon Barkley, and these next two questions I want to talk about kind of run together because they're along the same vein. Question number two is Evan Neal's development. Will Evan Neal make this take a leap forward in his development? You know, we look back at Andrew Thomas when he was a rookie and how he struggled mightily. Evan Neal also struggled last year. He was inconsistent. And I don't think that knee injury that he had, by the way, helped him. So that being said, it also didn't help um, Evan Neal that he had played left tackle in college the year prior and had to make the switch over to right tackle for the Giants. But Evan Neal has been working at it. He's been working at finding um, a stance that he's comfortable with. And there is optimism that he will be much better. Now, a lot of you would probably say, well, how did he look in the mini camps and, and the OTAs? Folks, you really can't tell what offensive linemen and defensive linemen, for that matter, unless the pads are on. You know, what you can watch is maybe some of the drill work. And that's if you are lucky enough for the drill work to be close to where you are situated on the patio or on the field for the Giants. So that being said, 
Um, Bobby Johnson, the Giants offensive line coach, did speak positively about Evan Neal. And some of you are probably like, well, what else would he say? Well, he could say nothing or he could talk in a roundabout way. There is optimism that Neal will be better. Even Neal feels a lot more comfortable. When he spoke to the media a couple of weeks ago, he spoke about how he was developing a comfort level, working with Willie Anderson, who is working in conjunction, by the way, with the Giants offensive line coaches, Bobby Johnson. Um, so there is optimism that Evan Neal will be okay, that he will take that Andrew Thomas type of leap in year two of his development. So that is something the Giants really need to find out about because if Evan Neal is the wink link on that offensive line, this team's in trouble. All this talk about, you know, opening up the offense, the run game, doing all these things that we saw in the springtime, that's in trouble. The Giants can't have a weak link on the offensive line, certainly not at right tackle. So that's a question that the Giants will need to answer, or more specifically, Evan Neal will need to answer. All right, now sticking with the offensive line, question number three, interior offensive line. We all know last year that the interior offensive line really wasn't very good. It had its share of struggles. So that being said, what are they going to do at left guard? Who's the starter? You know, is John Michael Schmitz definitely going to be the starter at center? How is Mark Lewinsky going to be better than he was last year at right guard? We saw way too much pressure coming up the gut last year for the Giants. So let's start with the center position. Ideally, John Michael Schmitz does win that job. Now, Ben Bredesen has been working at center, too. He, he worked a lot at center, actually, on the last day of the mandatory minicamp. The coach is trying to mix it up a little bit because they want to see everybody, you know, at, at different positions and make decisions. The expectation is that John Michael Schmitz will win that job. But if for some reason he doesn't, then my guess is Ben Bredesen, who also is competing at left guard, will get that job. Um, don't And we can't forget J.C. Hassenauer, who's also going to compete in that. I keep forgetting about him because his name really doesn't come up in the conversation, but they did sign him for that purpose. Um, so, again, the expectation is that Schmitz will win it. But if he doesn't, will it be Bredesen? Or will it be Hassenauer? Well, that could all depend not only on the competition at center, but what happens at left guard, which is the real question mark as far as I'm concerned. All right. Now, I think ideally the Giants would like Joshua Zudu to win that position, which if that happens, now you've got Bredesen freed up to where if Schmitz, for whatever reason, isn't ready or can't play, Bredesen can move over to center. If he is the better option over Hassenauer. So a lot to still be determined with that interior offensive line. And I haven't even mentioned, you know, Jack Anderson, where he might fit in, where might Marcus McKeithen fit in. Um, I think they're going to be reserves. I haven't spoken about the swing tackle position, which, you know, is going to be up for grabs. Is it going to be Matt Parrott? Is it going to be McKeithen? Is it going to be... Um, Jack Anderson, who could play it? Is it going to be Tyree Phillips, Corey Cunningham? So a lot of uncertainty, a lot of questions on the offensive line, not just, again, Evan Neal, who's his own category, but on the entire offensive line in general. 
And the Giants just need to kind of figure all that stuff out. Um, because look, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter who the running back is. It doesn't matter who your skill position players are. If your offensive line is not cohesive, if they are not blocking, if they're not opening up holes, you might as well just call it a day and pack it in. So that's what the Giants need to address with their offensive line. Now, I've got a couple more questions we're going to cover. I'll get to those right after this. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena. And before I get into the final two questions, the final two burning questions that the Giants are going to have to answer over the next few weeks, including training camp, let me just tell you real quick um, what I've got coming up on the program next week. I'm really excited because uh, I've got a bunch of guests coming your way. So in no particular order, and this is all tentative, so I've got to sort out how this is going to work out. But in no particular order, I'm going to have Emery Hunt from CBS Sports and Football Game Plan. He's going to come on, and I've got three burning questions that I've got that I need him to answer. And I asked him these actually at, at the uh, mandatory mini camp, and Emery started to answer them. And I said, you know what? Hold off on that. I said, this would make for a good show. So these are going to be really interesting questions, I think. And I think you'll you'll appreciate it because Emery always has some different takes. And these are going to be really interesting. Coach Gene Clemens is going to be on the program with me. We're going to look at where the Giants are at right now where and where they need to be or where they can get. I'm also going to have um, former NFL executive Jeff Diamond used to be a GM with uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Jeff Diamond is now with the 33rd team. So he's going to come on the program with me. We're going to talk football business as it pertains to the Giants, obviously. And I'm also going to ask him uh, some scouting for some scouting reports. Uh, And then my big guess, this is going to be a first time for me having this this, uh, lady on the program with me. And I'm really excited. Mina Kimes is going to join me. Mina Kimes from ESPN is going to join me on the podcast. So busy week of guests next week. And uh, I'm just really excited. So I hope you will tune in to the Locked on Giants podcast next week. And I'll post the order, you know, once I figure it all out. Right now, I'm still scheduling everybody, but it should be a fun week and an interesting week of different opinions coming in on the program. So do check it out. And just real quick, special shout out to my everydayers to my newcomers and everybody in between. Love you all. Thank you for supporting the Lockdown Giants podcast. All right, we got business to do. Two more questions before we call the show and I send you into the weekend. So let's get to it. How are the receivers going to play out? All right, again, not a surprise here. You know, this is an obvious question, but how is it? Good? how are they going to play out? You know, now I wonder how many they're actually going to keep because our... I get the impression the Giants are going to go for more 12 personnel, more, which is, of course, one running back, two tight ends. So the Giants will probably keep at least three tight ends. Could I see them keeping a fourth one? Maybe on the practice squad, but not on the roster. So if they keep three tight ends, do they need to keep six receivers? Hmm. Don't know about that. So which receivers? from the dozen plus that they have currently on the roster make the most sense. Who's going to play what kind of role? Because they have a group of receivers that quite honestly, they have so many different skill sets that if you're Mike Kafka, 
you're probably sitting there having a grand old time designing different plays and stuff. Well, let's run down the list. We know Paris Campbell probably be a lot. And this is all, by the way, contingent on health. We know Darius Slayton will be a lot. Jalen Hyatt should be a lot. Isaiah Hodgins should be a lock. That's four right there. Jamison Crowder is likely going to be a lock, especially if Sterling Shepard and or Wandale Robinson are not ready for the start of the season. All right, so that's five. So you you figure if the Giants keep six receiver, who's the sixth guy? Is it going to be Jeff Smith for special teams? Is it going to be David Sills? Is it going to be Colin Johnson? who started to look so good last year only to, you know, lose his, his uh, season due to an injury. A lot of decisions to be made. So how do I see it playing out? Paris Campbell is primarily um, an outside guy, but he can also work in the slot, give the Giants that big slot receiver. Can also work out of the backfield. We saw some plays where he was running out of the backfield. So Paris Campbell, very versatile, going to be asked to do a lot. Jamison Crowder, your slot guy. Again, if Wandale Robinson isn't ready, Sterling Shepard isn't ready, Crowder is going to be your primary slot guy, your twitchy, you know, quick guy that you want to have in, in the slot. Hodgins versus Colin Johnson. I, I don't know. I look at the two of them. I almost see the same player, but I would have to give the edge probably – to Isaiah Hodgins in that case, you know, because Hodgins was just so good for the Giants last year. Colin Johnson, I don't want to see them get rid of him, but I could see him maybe potentially landing on the practice squad if he has a summer, you know, a good summer camp. Darius Slayton, he's going to be in the mix. All right. Darius Slayton, um, if hopefully we'll clean up the dropsy problem that he had last year, uh, but he will be in the mix. And then Jalen Hyatt is going to get his share of snaps. So, you know, Jalen Hyatt can be um, the yards after the catch specialist. He could also stretch the field. The big question with Jalen Hyatt is how polished is his entire root tree? So we'll see how that plays out. But really, you know, you look at the Giants receivers that they have and it's going to be a tough, tough competition. That's going to be a fun one as well to watch. And in this case, the more a guy can do, the better his chances of hanging around on the 53-man roster. And some of the guys that don't make it will probably end up on the practice squad. Um, if Shepard and Wandale aren't ready to go by the start of the season, you put them on pup so that, you know, after six weeks or whatever, you see where you're at after the first six weeks of the season if they're ready to go and you have an injury, maybe then you make a move and you add them to the roster. So that's how I kind of see that playing out. All right. The final question. And again, this is not going to come in as a surprise, I'm sure, to a lot of people. How is the defensive backfield going to shape up? Right now, folks, you can honestly say there are two positions that are set in stone. Adoree Jackson at cornerback and Xavier McKinney at safety. Now, the assumption is that Deontay Banks will get the other quarterback position, and certainly he's been doing a lot of work in that spot. But the Giants, again, like I've said, all spring long, they've been rotating guys in to take a look at how guys are able to function with the starters. And that's what you want to do. You want to be able to see if a guy can execute his assignment 
and just function without a drop off if the main guy isn't there. But they've, you know, they're they're going to look at other options at that position. You know, they've had Aaron Robinson take some snaps at that spot, Cordell Flott. So the coaches will tell you nothing is set in stone just yet, but pretty close at that position. Now, speaking of which, the slot cornerback position remains a huge question mark. It is Darnay Holmes's job to lose. We could probably all agree on that. But might they go for a committee approach, which is a question I kind of put to Jerome Henderson, the defensive backs coach, um, when we had them this past week at the mini camp. Henderson said that ideally you want to have the same guy, a guy who could do it all. We all know that that doesn't exist. That rarely exists in the NFL. So I could see much like maybe, you know, with the running backs, with the receivers, I can see there being something of a rotation there, you know, at the slot cornerback position. So if the opponent lines up a big tight end in the slot, now maybe Henderson and, and defensive coordinator Wink Martindale say, okay, you know what? We're going to counter by putting Aaron Robinson in the slot. Don't get me wrong. I think ideally the Giants would like to have Cordell Flott and Aaron Robinson play on the outside. But if their two outside cornerbacks are going to be Adoree Jackson and Deontay Banks, I highly doubt Robinson and Flott are going to sit a whole lot. So it makes sense for the Giants to have that committee in the slot at the slot position. Now, where does that leave Darnay Holmes? He's going to have to compete for the position. He's got a high cap hit. And if somebody beats him out and can play better than he can, he might be on the bubble. A lot of you have also asked me about Rodarius Williams and where he might fit in. He's going to get an opportunity to compete, but, you know, I go back to last year and how he kind of fell off the radar towards, the, you know, down the stretch. I question whether or not he's going to make it this year. I, I just, you know, I don't know if he's going to make it, uh, make the 53-man roster. So they might be looking to move on from him. I don't know. I mean, again, you come in, you compete, you see what the injury situation is. And if you're the player, you hope for the best. If you're the coach, you hope for the best because the more talent you can add, the better. One last um, spot I also want to talk about, uh, going back to the safety position. McKinney's locked in, but who's going to be next to him? Now, is it going to be Dane Belton? Is it going to be Jason Pinnock? Is it going to be Bobby McCain? Is it going to be Nick McLeod? Nick McLeod has been working almost exclusively at safety in the spring. Belton and Pinnock have been sidelined. They, they're recovering from some sort of off-season procedure. They should be good to go for training camp. But McLeod, as we all know, probably um, has been groomed almost to be that Julian Love type, you know, duct tape who can fill in wherever you need him to. But that position, ladies and gentlemen, is up for grabs. Bobby McCain has his eye on it. You know, he's a veteran. But look, even if he gets it, which, you know, he could very well, if you're the Giants, do you want to maybe look long-term at that position? You know, a guy that you know can you can plug in there for multiple years. You don't want to have, um, you know, Bobby McCain be a one-and-done type. So that's going to be another interesting battle to keep an eye on.
And uh, really that defensive secondary, so critical because they've got to get the right combination of guys back there if they're going to hold up against the Dallas Cowboys receivers, the Philadelphia receivers. You know, I talk about holding up and against the divisional play, and that is so important because if they can't stay competitive with their divisional opponents and they can't win some divisional games, then guess what? The road to the playoffs just gets that much harder. So that's what we'll be keeping an eye on amongst other things. There'll be other battles and stuff that we'll be keeping an eye on. And as we get a little closer to training camp, I'm going to break down each position group for you in a little bit more detail, question marks, salary cap issues. I've got a whole format that I'm putting together for you that I hope you will enjoy. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here on the Locked on Giants podcast. I want to thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day or watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. Have a great week, what, weekend, everybody, and I will see you on Monday with the first of several guests.